Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and welcome to the Chat with Leaders podcast, where we amplify the influence of leaders who use their talents as a force for good. Today, I'm chatting with Muzna Abbas, the author of a new book called Letters to My Brown Mother, where she unpacks the stigmas associated with mental health in the South Asian diaspora. As a Pakistani-American daughter of immigrants, Muzna wrote this book as an ode to her own struggles with mental health. She hopes that sharing her insights and those whom she interviewed in her fascinating research will encourage others to be more proactive in taking care of their mental well-being. It's always important to be more globally aware in today's interconnected world as a leader seeking to improve your awareness, empathy, and ability to connect with cross-cultural teams. The South Asian diaspora and all people have lots of similarities when it comes to mental health concerns, as you'll hear in this chat but also differences that are ingrained and deeply rooted in their cultural foundation. I'm really grateful to have learned a lot from Musna's passion and remarkable work, and I hope you enjoyed this chat as much as I did. Welcome to Chat with Leaders, Musna. Hi, Jeff. Glad to be here. Really glad to have you. I'm so excited to unpack your remarkable work about mental health in the South Asian diaspora. You've taught me so much already, and I think this is such an important topic that we uh, discuss. Yeah, I'm really excited to dive right in. I think this is a really important topic that often gets overlooked. And so I'm really excited to start this conversation. So true. And as us as leaders are continuing to forge ahead and manage cross-cultural teams, it's really important that we have better empathy and understanding of what everyone goes through. And in particularly me being in technology, I've worked with so many people in the South Asian diaspora and community. And I think what you have to share in your book is just so remarkable and eye-opening. So let's jump right right in. Why has mental health been such a taboo topic in the South Asian diaspora? And how has this shaped your own experiences in your life? I would say that there's about three reasons that I usually give. I think, first of all, it's not understood. A simple biological standpoint, many parents, family members simply don't understand depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues are like rooted in physical chemical imbalances in the brain. And so the next best assumption is that it must be made up. It's something that you can get over. It's not real. It's a consequence of of something bad that you did. Mm. And so this lack of understanding and awareness contributes to making it a taboo. Mm. Second reason I would say is it's generally embarrassment. The South Asian culture is very much of a collectivist culture where the emphasis placed on the family unit rather than the individual. Everything is very socially interdependent. And so emphasis is heavily placed on the opinion of other people within the community. And so if something like mental health struggles are going on, the first thought is to figure out how to hide it and make sure nobody finds out. You know, there's an infamous phrase that most of us South Asians have heard before, which means what will people say? The famous comedian Hasan Minhaj also, you know, talks about this phrase all the time. You know, there's this real worry and preoccupation about what others are going to think about this. So that's another reason why mental health becomes taboo. People are afraid to talk about it. And then lastly, I would say that the immigrant mentality also makes it taboo. And by that, I really mean that people come here as immigrants. They're like, I have survived so much. I can survive this. This is not real. Mind over matter. I'm going to get through it. And so it's not worth taking care of to them. Ironically, though, the changes and the adjustment that you make coming here or coming anywhere as an immigrant requires extra special mental health attention because of the large adjustment, the environmental changes. But often that's also not taken care of because of this taboo. 
Wow, that is complex. Tell me the phrase again for what will people say? And that's in Urdu and Hindi. Wow. And the fact that there is a specific saying about that and, and how that points directly to the shame you would feel for being expressive of any mental health concerns is really troubling. So then what inspired you to embark on this journey of writing your book, which you titled Letters to My Brown Mother? This is actually a very personal journey for me from the beginning. I was inspired by my own experience dealing with and being diagnosed with depression throughout my undergraduate career. For me, that was a foreign concept. I didn't really know what was going on. And when I talked to parents and my friends about it, the first kind of thing that I would hear was, oh, you know what? You don't pray enough. So this is why this must be happening to you. You're not religious enough. You're just sad. This is not real. And so that really affected the way I dealt with this. And what ended up helping me was talking to people about it. Because once I started to talk to people about it, my peers, my classmates, it became something real, something that I could actually tackle instead of this like amorphous foreign concept that I was being made to feel wrong for having to deal with. So I really wanted to write this for 18-year-olds like me who didn't fully understand what they were going through. And they couldn't find the right words to share it with others or even advocate for themselves on how to take care of themselves. Like you mentioned with your chat with Ananya Jane, you know, the other issue was that it was so hard to actually take care of myself because, as you know, in, in undergraduate institutions, mental health care is very hard to come by just because of the sheer pressure put on the system, they not being able to handle that. And the good news is it is becoming more destigmatized. And I appreciate people like you who have been through it and that are vulnerable enough to have the courage to go out there and make a difference and to acknowledge that there's a problem and how can I destigmatize it? But while it's being destigmatized, the systems that are in place to support those that are struggling in universities or elsewhere can't support that demand. And so in Ananya's case, she said, you know, she went called the counselor at the student center and they said it takes three weeks to have an appointment, which is like saying, if you're still alive in three weeks, you know, we'll be willing to see you then. And and that's unfortunate, but, you know, being able to talk through that, having the vulnerability and the irony is probably that the most people that said you're not praying enough or that you're not religious enough is that they were probably struggling with a lot of the same feelings and they have for their lives, but they've tucked it down so deep because of the stigma that they're not willing to be more open about it. So wonderful work that you're doing. This episode is brought to you by Inspire EDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. Tell me in the book, what are some of the cultural themes that you became more aware of through your research that further deepens the stigma towards mental health in South Asian communities? So the way I did the research for this book is while I do talk about my experience, I wanted to make sure that I get a wide range of experiences so that I talk about those. I ended up interviewing about 50 South Asian Americans from across the country, different walks of life, different age ranges. And within those interviews, a lot of the things that I discovered were that not only does the taboo and the stigma make it difficult to take care of your mental health, but there are certain aspects in the culture that also perpetuate 
negative mental health outcomes. Mm -hmm. For example, gender norms are extremely strict coming from most South Asian cultures. That makes it so much more difficult to step out of those kind of predefined roles um, and try and take care of yourself. Toxic masculinity is one example of that, where men especially are often required to not show emotion. And when they do, they're looked down upon for that. You know, they're the rock of the family, the breadwinner, and that's all they can do. And so these gender norms perpetuate not taking care of your mental health and ignoring it, pushing it down, like you had said. Another thing I discovered a lot is generational trauma, which is sort of any trauma or stress that, that someone experiences in their lifetime, and that is transferred to their descendants, sometimes for multiple generations. And this is not only like a genetic physical transfer, but also even social transfer in the way they raise their children. And so this is something that we see a lot of coming, going from two generations back with the India-Pakistan partition war or the 1971 Bangladeshi War of Independence, causing a lot of physical conditions, but, but also the immigrant condition coming here creates a lot of acculturative stress that parents feel, but are not able to really process or take care of. And that then is transferred to their children in physical symptoms, but also in the way they raise their children, maybe in fear or out of making sure that they want to preserve their culture in a certain way. Were there any stories as you were talking with everybody and doing your research that kind of brought you to tears or that kind of more like so awakened you to something that you didn't know about South Asian community before you started diving into this? Several stories. I mean, every story, you know, came with this kind of emotional charge. And oftentimes I had to process listening to that story as well, because there's a lot of things that I learned about everyday people that you wouldn't know until they open up to you. But I, I learned a lot about narcissistic parents, codependency in parents, and, and how that can have a huge effect on children as they grow up and well into their adulthood. You know, I heard a lot of stories about emotional, physical, sexual abuse that often gets swept under the rug. And it was really heartbreaking to see and hear how individuals were dealing with that. And I'm really proud of a lot of the folks that I interviewed because they were not only able to discuss that with me, but, but really be so open, proactive about taking care of their mental health after going what they went through. I'm sure that that was a gift to them in so many ways with any vaulted trauma that they've been carrying as a burden to them for so many years to for you to give them that outlet. And I know that you wrote it anonymously, but even like you said, just talking about this vaulted trauma that they've had throughout their lives, hopefully really helped them to think through that a little bit differently. I guess I want to turn towards thinking about leadership in particular. And, and like I said at the beginning, having more empathy towards various cultures. And I think a lot of the themes that you described are similar in some ways to a lot of different immigrant communities or communities in general, populations. And I think that the immigration piece and the cultural norms really exacerbates the issues. So I'm so thrilled that you focused on the South Asian diaspora in this case. How do you think leaders can be more attentive to mental health concerns with their family, their friends, and coworkers across a range of cultural backgrounds after you reflect on this piece that you've done? I think the first thing is that awareness is key. 
like I had mentioned, it helped me just talking about it and then talking about it with others. So as a coworker, you know, lend that listening ear to your peers, but also, you know, do your own research, understand where these struggles are coming from and give that hand of empathy and then that, that listening ear. Another thing that I talk a lot about in the book is setting boundaries. And, and I talk about it in the context of with family members, but in leadership, it works the same way. You know, if you see someone, your coworker setting boundaries, help them with that instead of, you know, assuming what it must be for, you know, make sure that, especially for South Asian children of immigrants, boundaries is a very difficult thing because often that causes you to kind of be closed off from your family, your coworkers, and it's hard to completely lose that when we're raised in such a collectivist culture. So making sure that, you know, the coworkers that you're with, your peers, your friends, as they set those boundaries, you're able to help support them with that. Taking care of yourself is also very important. And this has become a buzzword lately. You know, it's more than just a lush bath bomb and some wine. Taking care of yourself can be hard at some times. It includes your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, and your spiritual self-care. And so if you're seeing that your friends, your peers are trying to make that effort, try it with them. They want to go to a yoga class, maybe try that with them. If they want to try something new, give them the space to do that and take care of themselves. And then always, I think, making sure that when we need it, we should get help. And so if you see somebody that's struggling, see what you can do to help them out. And maybe that requires professional help. And so finding those resources that that we can make available to those folks would be the best help there is. I believe you have found your calling, Mosna. Remarkable work. Where do you go from here? What are your hopes and dreams for the immediate and long-term future? Well, I'm I'm hoping that this book starts this conversation about mental health. And from there, I'm I'm really hoping to maybe one day do a podcast like you on on stories of mental health and you know, talking about it and power storytelling is is so valuable. And I think for me it, it helps so much especially even listening to other folks' experiences and being able to, to relate to them and be like, you know what? I'm glad it's not just me. So that's something that I'm looking for on the horizon. But, but also just, you know, making sure that this conversation doesn't stop here. You know, this is a great first step, but this, conver- this is only a first step. This conversation definitely does not end here. And hopefully in the future, I'll be able to push this further and we'll see what we can do. Well, I hope you do start the podcast and I will be uh, cheering you on every step of the way, regardless of what you're doing. So how would people follow you and support the book and the work ahead? Great to have your support. Uh, So you all can follow me on my Instagram handle at letters to my brown mother or my Twitter handle at Muzna A23. And then there's also information there about the pre-sale campaign for my book, which officially launches in August 2021. But I'm doing an Indiegogo campaign so that I can fund the publishing of this book. I'm almost to my goal and I'm very, very excited. There's about a week left in the campaign. So I'm really hoping folks can check that out. Yeah, and you posted just today a great video on LinkedIn uh, in your feed that was remarkable promoting the book and, and its background too. So highly recommend checking that out. We'll post all those links in the show notes. Mosin, it was such a joy to have you here on Chat with Leaders. Thank you for your gift of time and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and thank you so much for investing your time with us today. 
We'd be thrilled for you to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please also visit our LinkedIn page to join our leadership community by clicking follow. We're grateful for your engagement and for sharing the inspiration coming from our guests so we can add value to aspiring leaders in your network. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.